Millennials, though, we're dealing with it. We're dealing with uh, student loan debt, massive student loan debt. It's why some are living at home after college. Some are waiting to get married. Some are pursuing their career first. Uh, I saw this at Money.com. This was the uh, headline. Should you invest or pay off your debt? Well, now that's an int- interesting question. Do you want to get rid of that debt first, or should you be investing the entire time? Is it better to get that debt erased as quickly as possible? John Kavaznik is a financial advisor with Cherokee Investments at Bank Cherokee. John, good morning. Good morning, Corey. How are you this morning? I am well. I'm going to come right at you. Okay. Should you invest or pay off your debt? Uh, those are great questions that a lot of people have. And one of the things we have to think about is, A, what is the debt related to? And B, what are the alternatives to paying off the debt? Okay, so the, so the kind of debt matters, right? So that would, would that go to interest rate? Uh, interest rate is really key up to deciding whether you pay that off first or whether you pay yourself first. That's a great, great part to start with. So if, uh, is there a certain number with your interest rate where, okay, if it's this or above, uh, you should do this, or if it's this or below, you should do this. And can you explain that? Yeah, so a lot of people are thinking about when they look at their credit card debt, it may be at a very high interest rate. Some are as high as 21, 22, 23%. Mm-hmm. But then they might look at their student loan debts, and those might be in the 4 or 5% range, or they might have a home equity loan that's actually in the 3 or 4% range. And so that's what we have to really evaluate. And then we have to compare that to what would the money earn if we put it somewhere else, as opposed to paying off that debt first. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's uh, situation is different, of course. But if you have a student loan debt, and it is a, a 4 or 5 5%, then uh, is that something that you would encourage, uh, well, anyone, it could be any age, but you would encourage somebody to, you know, it, it would still make sense to, okay, you're, you're paying this off at this rate, but we should look at still looking at your future. Exactly. So one of the things we want to be really careful of is a lot of times your people say I'm house poor or I'm student debt poor, and that means I'm paying all of that debt off or I'm trying to get rid of that quickly. However, if I have an emergency or I have another need, where am I going to get the resources or the funds to actually then take care of that need if all I've done is paid off the debt and I don't have any reserves? What do you, what do you encourage people to do when they, when they are budgeting? And, and if you're looking to and if you're looking to you know, create more space at home or, or have just a little bit more for your future, is there anything that you encourage people to look at? Well, I think you really want to put together an idea of a plan and have some set goals and kind of say to yourself, what is your comfort level? Do I need three months or six months of some safety net and reserve somewhere so that I can get that set up first and then take at my debt? Or am I okay really just winging it and riding it uh, you know, like a surfer and not really having any safety net? Mm-hmm. So it's personal preference a lot of times, but the rule of thumb is I really need to have close to that six-month mark in reserves uh, available. An emergency comes up. I don't really want to go dipping into uh, calling my parents and asking for money. Yeah. Yeah, six months. So that's what you recommend, a six-month emergency fund. I think that's a good place to start. And then you can kind of tweak it based on your own situation and deciding what's your comfort level. Okay. He's John Kavaznik. He's a financial advisor with Cherokee Investments at Bank Cherokee. Uh, John, when you meet with millennials specifically, are they, are they planning for the future? Yeah, so again, there's good millennials, there's bad millennials, there's good people, there's bad people, there's all kinds of millennials, right? And so I think uh, when you talk about the kind that are planners, they really want to have a future. And so when we sit down and talk to them, they're saying, yeah, let's set some goals for myself. I'd like to put away some of my extra income now while I'm young before things get really crazy and I start having a lot of kids or I start having a very big mortgage. And so, you know, everyone's a little different, but there are millennials out there who really do want to save. Yeah, (laughs) for personal experience i will advise uh before you have kids start 
start uh, start uh, uh, planning at that point. Start re- in your retirement funds at that point because once you have kids, then you've got a whole new expense. You have a whole a different experience, exactly, and things kind of happen. Uh, 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 they come up uh, different things when you have a family and unexpected things or things that you really would like to provide for the family that you might say, gosh, I really don't know if I could afford that. And then you're choosing between uh, my retirement, my uh, savings, uh, my car. Yep. So you have to make a lot of difficult choices once you really get into the family uh, realm. Life comes at you fast. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I saw this, too. I texted you this article, CNBC. Here's the headline. Baby boomers face retirement crisis, little savings, high health costs, and unrealistic expectations. What did you think of the article? Yeah, so uh, I, I think the article is probably uh, really right on in the sense of there are a lot of people out there who struggle every day just to put food on the table and to make their ends meet. And so those people even though they really would love to have a big nest egg for their retirement, they're just trying to make it day to day and they're not able to do that. And so when they get to that retirement age, uh, they may have really hoped and wished when they were younger that they're going to get to retire, but they're finding out that a lot of people don't even have a dollar really mm-hmm. saved for retirement mm-hmm. when they get there. That's, and that's obviously a huge problem. Are, you know, when you're younger, is it easy to underestimate just how much we're going to spend when we get older? And then you have to factor in inflation too. That's right. And I think one of the big factors for younger people is because they're healthy or they're invincible and they don't see uh, death uh, the same way an older person does is they don't see the health care costs either. And they don't realize that they're going to have a point where they're not as healthy and it's going to get to be expensive and they're going to have to deal with that. Is there anything you can do uh, if you're aging and and you're running out of money outside of get a job? Is there anything that you can do? Maybe it's even like, okay, I'm going to start retiring and, you know, I'm planning to retire in five years. Is there anything that you can do to if you realize that, you know what, my nest egg isn't as large as it needs to be? Right. So we really have to make a decision. And a lot of people uh, are big fans of insurance and a lot of people are not big fans of insurance. But one of the ways is you could protect yourself by maybe covering your long-term care insurance costs by having some sort of coverage. You could also protect yourself by saying, I'm going to stay healthy and maybe I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to do things that make my life uh, a little less uh, accessible to being able to go out and work longer, right? So being able to push that date out or being able to go get a part-time job when I'm 75 years old might really help me make it in retirement. But I have to be healthy in order for that to happen. That's true, yeah. If uh, So let's just – I just want to use a round number. So say your, your full family income is a combined $100,000. If it's that much, how, how much should you be saving? Right. So the rule of thumb is is you probably want to be putting away at least uh, 15% if, if you can do that. Um, the average is a lot less than that, of course. The other thing to think about is you need to replace probably about 70% of that on the low end because you're not going to have maybe contributions to retirement plans at work and you're not going to be taking care of the children like you were. Mm-hmm. However, uh, you still need to replace quite a bit of that income. So you do need to put away a lot to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, last one for you, John. Are there particular avenues that you'd recommend for millennials or for baby boomers. You talked about life insurance, and I know there, there are particular life insurances where you can, you can then invest in, in you know, mutual funds or, or what have you. Uh, and, and, of course, every person is different. But is there something that you always go to when you're talking to a certain age group? I think you just need to ask the right questions, and you have to find out what's important to that individual and that family, and you have to then decide what are the right venues. If it's saving into a retirement account, if it's saving into a life insurance account, if it's saving into a savings account, 
is it opening up a retirement uh, plan or is it opening up a 529 college plan for the kids, mm. right? Mm-hmm. You have to know what's important to that person, and then you can kind of direct and you can figure out what is the right and best avenue to do things. Mm-hmm. I always try to get you to get <laughs> go down one road, route for me, John. I always try, and you always come back with that. Well, when you're dealing with a lot of uh, people, you know, we, uh, clients are all different. They're all unique. Yeah. They all have their ideas and their values. You want to know what's important to you first and then come back with what the right action is. Yeah, we value you, John. Thanks for your time this morning. Excellent. Thank you, Corey. Take care. Awesome. Thanks, John. He's John Kavaznik, a financial advisor with Cherokee Investments at Bank Cherokee. Love is energy about money. When we talk about financial advisors, John's at the top of the list. If you have any questions, please contact Jonathan Kavaznik at jkavaznik, that's K-V-A-S-N-I-K, at securitiesamerica.com. ESG Players Podcast can be found on iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and many other platforms through the Backroom Studios. That's Backroom Studios, S-T-E-W-D-I-O-S. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member F-I-N-R-A, S-I-P-C, Jonathan B. Kavaznik, C-H-F-C, registered representative Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisories, Inc. Cherokee Investment Services, Bank Cherokee, and Securities America are separate companies, not FDIC insured. No bank guarantees may lose value, not insured by any government agency, not bank deposits.